on the shoulders of dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the gamers who game them. My name is Eran Aviram. And I am Uri Lifshitz. Hello! And today, we have an email. Hooray! A dude, a person, a man named Lloyd sent me an email. Uh, now, uh, we will go through it in just a moment. Just, I, I should note that I know this Lloyd. And I really enjoyed seeing the email that he sent us because... I don't think Uri, you know him. He's local in the UK, as one would say. But he's very much into role-playing games. He is he knows all the new indie things. And he played all the new storytelling whatevers. And he works with Modifius. And he gives feedback. And he's a test player. And he's very excited fellow. He is so much into role-playing games. So in a way, it wasn't surprising that our first letter came from Lloyd. Well, hooray for Lloyd. Also for everyone else listening, if you want to be praised like that, oh. send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> at show at dwarfcast.net. And we will go through it. Now, this is an important bit that we I don't, I'm not sure we actually mentioned before. We are not going through the entire email. We cut it a bit just to make sure that the main point is delivered. I will now read it out loud, and I won't mention any names unless you guys, when you write to us, say that it's okay. We will try to avoid even saying your name. Uh, again, unless you say it's okay. Usually when we get an email, we skim it, we get the answer, we talk among ourselves, and then we usually reply within a day or a few days. But sometimes it takes a few weeks or even months, or in one case, three years <laughs> before we actually take that and we feel we have enough information about this specific problem or enough requests from the audience to turn it into a full-blown episode. Yes. So if there's something you want our take on it or you have a very strong opinion about something, please email us. And once we get to a critical mass or to a really interesting topic, we're going to record an episode on that. Yes, but a reply you're going to get in any case. I mean, you will get something from us in any way. And usually we write quite a bit, actually. Onward to the email. So this is what Lloyd sent to us. Good morning. I just thought I'd share a lovely thought with you fine gentlemen. You mentioned just how fantastic recaps are for creating the plot compass. They work fantastically, and that's why a lot of people love them. Uh, if you remember, Uri, we did recaps in episode 4. Mm. Mm -hmm. Except for my players. We play a multitude of games and we have tons of fun. And when the others GM, I tend to take notes, keep track of where the plot is going, and try to work out the secrets. But when I GM, none of the other guys do this. Which isn't too much big of a deal. I anticipate they won't remember anything too stupidly complex and always offer explanation as to what they forget. I've tried everything. Giving recappers extra XP or fate points or bennies according to the system. Free magical items to a recapper. Gold, <gasps> silver, my undying love and affection. Ponies. I've tried bribing them with food, books, PDFs, magical artifacts from ancient ruins, Facebook friend invites, naughty Snapchats, 
but nothing works. How do I get them to stop being so fire and forget when it comes to the sessions? Am I not engaging enough? Are my plots too complicated? Help me, Uri Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. You know what's shocking? I think this is actually the first time I get an Uri Wan Kenobi. I, I'm trying <laughs> to remember. So our reply will try to focus on the part of engaging the players and maintaining engagement. And it isn't necessarily a reply directly to Lloyd's question because we are not sure what of the things we are going to say Lloyd has or has not implemented in his group. Uh, generally speaking, I think, Uri, you will agree with me that most problems people face in role-playing games are quite complex and require a lot of context. There are very few just big guidelines that solve everything, although there are a few of those, and I will give links in the show notes to one of the very, very good, I think, guidelines of for a player, the 11 rules for a player, how to behave as a player. Having said that, we also have a few guidelines and interesting tidbits of our own that I'm pretty certain will help Lloyd and well, hopefully everyone else. I listening. think that the main point here for me is that the lack of engagement is a symptom. It's not the cause. So incentives to try and make them to recap despite their lack of engagement won't really work because they don't address the actual problem behind everything, which is the lack of engagement. There's, they are not in the game deep enough. And there, there may be many reasons for that. And let's go through them and try to find solutions. I'm going to start with three main points, which I found that helped me in all my campaigns. Uh, and I'm going to address very different topics in each one. Number one is plot lines. Now, I have a very simple formula for calculating plot lines. I call it Uri's Plot Formula. Oh, wow, that's a good name. And it's very simple. The number of plots in your game should equal to the number of player characters plus one. So if you have four players with four player characters, you should have five plots, five plot lines in your game. Why? Because I believe each player character should have his own plot line, a personal plot line, and one uber plot mm. or a party plot. Mm. What are these plots? It's very simple. A personal plot is the answer to the question what the character want to achieve or what the character is running away from, which is another way of phrasing that. And that is basically what motivates that character to move on. Every character has his own motivational. I want to avenge the death of my family and my village by orcs, because I am very unimaginative player. Hey, I hey, want. Hey. Uh, sorry, sorry, Iran. Sorry, it was perfectly legitimate. I want to prove that my drow character is actually good-hearted and kind, even though he comes from a terrible background. Mm. These are general character concepts, and as a DM, I try to refine them into actual quests or actual plot lines. Mm. Okay, so my village was destroyed by orcs. The orcs was led by the orc chieftain, who, behind the scene, was hired by Count Chakula. So, obviously, the end game is for that character to discover that and killed Count Chakula, thus regaining his vengeance and moving on. This is a plotline. Very simple for a single character. Now, the uber plot 
or the party plot, for me, is the answer to the question, why are all these characters staying together? Mm. Now, um, examples from my previous campaigns, they could be all wanted by the law. So if they escape jail together, they're staying together because it gives them better chance of survival. They could be friends from the same village, living and working as adventurers ever since they were young. Or they could all be part of some mad science team out to explore the southern continent of whatever. So each one of those parties would have a plot that would answer why are they staying together and why are they moving forward. Now the secret is, for me at least, to try and find points in which the personal plots and the party plot interact. For example, Count Chocula, who hired the orcs in order to kill the village from which that specific character is coming from, could also be a member of the Dark Enclave, uh, which we all try to stop from taking over the world. He could also be just a really, really lousy guy who's a great friend of someone who's the main plot of someone else, etc., etc. Find interactions between the plots so whenever one plot is advancing, also other plot advance or the party plot advance. The main advantage of this multi-plotline formation is that you can always be giving more attention to a specific character or player while also moving forward the entire party plot mm. which get everyone something that interests them which in turn should lead to another personal plot so whenever something happens in the game it is always relating personally to someone which means that as a player, you are more interested in it, even if it's just like this session. Next session, we're back to not talking about me. But this session, we're talking about me. And by knowing that this process happens behind the scenes, as a player, I can trust my GM to keep engaging me like once every few sessions. I mean, of, of course, obviously, I should be engaged all the time, but the focus will be on me once every few sessions and then I, I am waiting for it and I I think see the whole game in a much brighter way and maybe would like to recap more. Yeah? It's an excellent way of looking at it. I look at it in a simplified manner in which at the end of every game there is at least one player who think, oh wow, that, that was important to me. Okay. So that would be an excellent candidate for the recap of next session because he would remember that because that was relevant to Good him. Point. Good point. Good plot points. <laughs> okay, let us continue. It's also very nice to think of it in the same manner that you think about traps in the dungeon or riddles in a dungeon. You know how they say that inside the dungeon there should be puzzles, there should be traps, there should be monsters, there should be some form of challenge that would fit the strength of someone in the party so everyone would feel that they're using the abilities of their characters. Agreed. Point number two. A simple question. What makes your players enjoy the gaming session? No, that's not a simple question. <laughs> right. Yes. It's a simple question. The, the answer is a bit more complicated. <laughs> there are many, 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 many types of players. Yes. And... Each and every one of them enjoy different things. 
Some like deep roleplay, and for them it's all about the interaction between the character. From the moment we roll initiative until the moment someone said, okay, this battle is over, they usually are asleep or just shut down. It's not their thing. Now, other players are hack and slasher. For them, it's all about killing monsters and getting loot, which is awesome, by the way. Now, some are rules lawyer, and they really enjoy tinkering with the mechanics of the game. Some are collectors. They enjoy playing with miniatures and map and other paraphernalia, and that's what makes them really, really fun. I, I know players who don't like the gaming session. I literally know DMs who enjoy writing plot lines and preparing dungeon and then give someone else to run them because that, that's not what they care about. Besides that, there's also people who are there for that sense of winning or escapism or just those who enjoy co- cooperating with other members of the party in order to solve puzzles and mysteries. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And of course, most players don't fall into one of those categories. Most players have all those traits in some combination. Really enjoy this and slightly less enjoy this and not enjoying this, but very much enjoy this, etc., etc. Now, this topic is really big and uh, th- this introduction, I think, is not enough and you think the same. Uh, we will be doing in the future an episode dedicated wholeheartedly and completely to the subject of player motivations, why we're talking in motivations and not categories, and other such things, mm-hmm. we will try to list as many motivations as uh, our friend Avner has researched. I think it's a very important episode that uh, yep. we'll get to it as fast as we can, but in, in today... But initiative being what it is, we have to do some <laughs> other stuff first. But relating to today's question, I think the main point here is trying to recognize what the players, why the players are coming to the table and be aware that it might not be something that they are aware of. It might not even be something that you ask them and they just say, well, I'm here in order to solve puzzles cooperatively with my friends. They, they might not be aware <laughs> that this is what they are looking for. So as a GM and as the other player, other players around the table, you're all, you're all around the same table. Try to understand why is everyone there and try to see if the motivation, the, the reason that get them there is being fulfilled at least once per session. Or at least there's a promise of it being fulfilled in a future session. Now, the way I see it, the secret to a long-term campaign, which is gripping and interesting all the way to the end, is simply to understand what is fun for the players and the DM to experience. What strings do you need to pull in order to get a reaction from your players and from yourself? Now, these strings are the one you need to use on the guitar of DMing in order to create the perfect music that will be your campaign. You can tell I usually play a bard, right? <laughs> you can tell. I think the most important thing you just said is uh, regarding the GM. A lot of groups might think that the GM's job is making sure that everyone is enjoying themselves, but that's completely untrue. It's everyone's job. And the GM is one of the participants in the game as well. So it is highly important that the GM will enjoy themselves However, unlike players, they are in control, complete control of how to make that thing happen, which gives them an advantage. And that's where maybe a story for another discussion. 
which brings me to my final third and final point role-playing games are games emphasis on games and like all games they should be enjoyable now as a, as a little throwback when me and Iran started this podcast the first rule we decided was that making on the shoulders of dwarf should be fun for us like a yes. game we play first because if it will stop being fun we'll stop we will it. stop doing yes. it yes because not because of any specific reason but because as a general rule people tend to stop doing things which are not fun and they don't have to yes but also because fun is a great catalyst for improvement if you enjoy something you tinker with it you play with it that's why it's called the game and it opens up new ideas and new ways in your mind and same goes for your game if people are playing the game and having fun that is the perfect foundation for building and adding more now if people aren't enjoying the experience of the session the sessions themselves will not last and no other thing that you want to superimpose on your gaming like a deep moral story or a whatever will not happen so foremost make it about finding a way to make the session fun for everyone including the GM now fun doesn't mean that bad thing don't happen yes yes most people enjoy Game of Thrones for example they will all say oh Game of Thrones it's, it's very fun to watch I enjoy that but they will also agree that it's a horrible horrible thing to see now remember that While fun is a requirement, the game should be fun for the GM and players, not for the characters. A lot of time, bad thing happened to good character is most of the fun for the players <laughs> and for the GM. I think this is a very good distinction what you're doing here because if I come to a session and the GM is very strict with everything and maybe the environment around the table is yes we are completely by the rules this is how we do it or maybe the GM is very strict about canon I mean yes this is how things happen and they don't happen any other way which isn't especially railroady just maybe uh, he controls completely the uh, what is true about the the world well I come from the city of Dervenish no you can't come from the city of Dervenish because you are not Dervenishi oh uh, <laughs> but maybe I was adopted no they never adopt anyone not even a new ideas <laughs> So not even maybe puppies <laughs> not no they eat the puppies and um, the Venetia oh, the, no. the horrible the most horrible people on, on like on the continent so everything is very strict and like you said before if the player doesn't feel they have a room to play in they won't play in it they won't have the excitement of trying to explore trying out new things because they can't so you How would they ever find engagement in something that is forced upon them? Okay, I want to talk a bit about maintaining excitement. It is quite close to what you've talked about before, but I think that while you talked especially mostly about what's happening around the table, I want to talk about things that happen outside of the session completely. Maintaining excitement during the week, during offline hours in a way. 
We want to get to a point where the players want to keep thinking about the session outside of the session. And there are some tools to do that. Like, for example, you can start a WhatsApp group where you discuss things with the players and the GM and just talk about some things that happened during the last session or thoughts about the next session or just the system in general or wow I found a new build for a monk it's the best build for monk in the world of monk building uh, stop playing monks they're all broken <laughs> or maybe you just share funny stuff any funny thing at all it doesn't have to relate to the, the game or to the role playing game or whatever it, it's just something that is fun and it maintains the social interaction between the players and maintains the feeling, hopefully, among all of them of, I want to meet these guys again. They are cool. Let ha- let's have a meeting and do something in it. Oh, how about a session while playing? Yeah, we'll play. You can yourself also encourage this by creating memes based on the session, for example. Reminiscing about things that happen and bring to the forefront whatever it is you find interesting uh, and hope maybe others find interesting or maybe start a conversation. And you can be anyone. You can be the player or the GM to do that. You don't, again, you don't have to be the GM in order to encourage engagement in other players. There's another thing that I think is just as important, maybe even more important in maintaining excitement, and that's giving responsibility. It's a thing that we mentioned before. Uh, We talked about initiative and how you as a GM can give one of the players the responsibility of tracking initiative, thereby making sure they are engaged in everything that's happening, because they have to keep track of whose turn it is and whose turn comes next. And they have responsibility now. And when a person has responsibility, they are up to the task of maintaining, of doing what is needed of them. It's just a fact of psychology. I don't know why, but this is what we're doing. And you can do the same thing with other parts of the game. Like, for example, you can assign the caretaker of information. Like my wife, Dasi, used to be for our game. She kept a journal of everything that was happening during the game. She wrote it down during the session she did nothing with it after the session. I mean, she didn't like kept rewriting the journal or phrasing it in a very, I don't know, dramatic way and then posting it. No, no, she just... Just keeping an activity log of Exactly. Sort. And she just went through it like 20 minutes before the start of the next session. And maybe sometimes if something was interesting to her and she thought about the game between the sessions, she went through it again just to find some clues for something that might seem interesting and then talked about it in the WhatsApp group, for example, if we're combining with what you just said a moment before. But anyway, it's not, it's not a big deal. It, it doesn't require you to do a lot, but it requires you to do a thing. And you are the one responsible. And again, it doesn't have to be the GM that says you are the caretaker of information. It can be the whole group deciding among themselves that you will keep track of information. You We'll keep track of NPCs. Who do we know? Where do we know them? What have they done? Stuff like that. Again, just in, in, in clip notes. You don't have to draw them. Although this happened to us. We used to have Aviv O in our party. And she was, in a way, the caretaker of NPCs because she drew them a lot. She, she made... Uh, art with the NPCs' faces because she likes drawing characters. And that made her, in a way, the person who cares about NPCs that are important to the game, and she knew all about them 
because of that. Also, amazing artists, go <laughs> and check out our website, www.avivor.com. Uh, that's A-V-I-V-O-R. Yes. Now, there's another thing you can do, and that, as a GM, assign tasks from session to session. Like, for example, Uri, you just gained, you are a fighter in, uh, let's say, uh, Dungeon World, and you just gained two new recruits in the city. Um, I want you to tell me, by next session, send me beforehand, by next session, just, like, what do they look like? Think about, like, uh, one or two cool combat moves that they know and one tragic story about one of them and one happy story about the other it can be very simple just send me i mean like two days before the next session okay, okay? one of them is a transgender orc with long flowing blonde hair okay while the other one is actually a farmer from deep in the south and he's in love with ducks of all kinds Yes, well, I don't need it right now, Uri. The whole point is... Oh, oh, you want me to email that to you? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm just yes. going to write or, that Or down. maybe even okay. just message me in, in, in WhatsApp or in Facebook. It doesn't matter well. Think about a thing that I assigned you to think about, which is very simple, creative, related to your character, doesn't require you more than a few moments of thought, and yet make sure that you have responsibility and think about the game outside of the session. Now, there's a way to do this on a weekly basis and for the whole group, which is, we, we just call it the weekly question. It's a very big thing. It's a thing that I utilize in every game that I run, and I think it's very useful. But I've written so much about it already on an article on up to four players that I'll just, if you want to dig deeper, I'll just give a link to it in the show notes. And you could go there not only to read what the weekly question is and how to use it in a variety of ways, but also to see examples of it in use and answers. And I think it's a very powerful tool, as, as you see in the article, not only to keep engagement, but also in many, many other facets of your game. The basic idea behind the weekly question is simply this. You, as the GM, send a question about the characters' lives or something like that, uh, which can... Footnote, be... not necessarily you, the DM. Oh, oh, you can oh. assign responsibility to someone else. In several of my campaigns, we had someone who was responsible for the weekly question, and after every session, he would send out an email saying, what was your favorite part about that today's session? You are rushing forward, uh, oh, you are rushing. That's exactly... That was, uh, that was what I was aiming for. After, oh my after, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I just... Uh, after you initiate it, which again, it doesn't have to be the GM, the one who initiates it, I would recommend passing the torch around and have each person be the sender of new questions questions for once or twice a week or two um it also helps in maintaining fresh questions because after a few of these you might find yourself saying well i've already asked them what is the worst fear of their character and i also already asked them what is the thing that they are most afraid of so i ran out of ideas and and when you have a lot of people thinking about new questions uh, it's it just better. It, it keeps going for longer before you run out of juice. That's basically it. Yep. That's why we're working together like a party should oh, in order to make nice more teamwork. <laughs> yep. Now, finally, Lloyd, and, and now I am addressing Lloyd, it's possible that some people just aren't into RPGs as you are. And this is especially true in the case of Lloyd, 
who is, as I mentioned at the start of the um, episode, very much into RPGs. He's easily the most excited person I know when it comes to role-playing games, except maybe for you, Uri. And it, it's just that when you start discussing anything RPG-related with him, his eyes lit up, and he knows so much, and he wants you to play it, and he will do whatever it, he will now go with you and run a game like you like you do exactly the same way <laughs> so it's quite possible that the other players just don't see the role-playing game session as such a big deal as you do maybe they are into the game for one or two motivations and maybe none of them have much to do with the hobby of role-playing games i mean you and i Uri, are enthusiasts mm-hmm. we are not just hobbyists we are semi-professionals i'm actually a full professional now because we like this thing called role-playing games so much in so many ways we want to be better at it we will think about it we try we aim we're gonna listen to session afterwards we're gonna analyze what went wrong exactly we're gonna Try and understand what works better, what works less as good. What? How can we improve that? Exactly, how, what are the different but, skills we need? How can we improve those, etc., etc., etc. But yep. but so many people aren't even close to this level of excitement, and that's that's completely okay. One of the ways to make them more excited, I think, and this might sound you know self-serving, is to let them listen to an episode of. A podcast, let's say, on the Shuttle of Wolves, a podcast that is fun and interesting and talks about role-playing game in a way that is fun and interesting. And hopefully ours is like this. Maybe not every episode, but maybe you can find an episode that you like and send them the episode and just say, hey, this seems relevant to our session. And they listen to it. And maybe they'll find that that the world of role-playing games is more interesting than they thought, hopefully. And if it's not our podcast that does it, maybe there's another one that will do it. And... If you guys know any, feel free to comment in the comment section and tell us about them because we would like everyone to know about them and share the world. Indeed. And on the other hand, listen, if they're not that much into behind the scene of role play and mechanics and whatnot, that is also cool. Yes. Some people enjoy role playing just as a hobby, something you do two hours a day. <laughs> Sorry, wishful thinking. Something you do two, three hours a week. And that's it. You don't need to think about your character outside. You don't need the background story. Yes. You come, you kill some monster, you go home, you enjoy a good time with your friend. And that is awesome. That is 100% awesome. I agree. We simply believe that you can go to 110% awesome. <laughs> Excellent. I think we have went through the main things. As we've mentioned several times during the episode, there are so many things we, that are yet to be said. Uh, that we can elaborate upon and we will in a future episode feel free to send us emails with uh, to show at dwarfcast.net and then tell us both what you think about this episode or any other but more importantly what you would like us to talk about and if it's relating to your game twice as good twice the better that's how you say it twice the better it's twice the better yes that's how that's how you say it. and the more the merrier <laughs> yes that's it. I think I think that's, that's basically the thing. We should maybe now go to take the load off. Okay, and for those of you who are moving on, have a great day and a great time and 
When we take the load off, we just talk a bit about our lives in ways that relate to role-playing games, because we don't think our personal lives are as interesting to you as they are to us. So I'll start because I have so many amazing things to say. First, I'm kind of excited for Legacy of Dragonhold. It's, Ooh. yes, it's not exactly a role-playing game. It's a new thing from Fantasy Flight Games, which is very hard to describe. It's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure for a group, it's a cooperative game, everyone together, and there's also bits of, like, an actual role-playing game where you are supposed to create a character and role-play it and choose choices according to what you would do and stuff like that. I have no idea what it's about, but the previews seemed very intriguing, and it's the sort of thing that my wife and I enjoy immensely, so I'm obviously going to try it out. And I really, really like the way that Fantasy Flight games are, I think, rejuvenating the hobby. These past few years, they're doing all sorts of interesting things on the border between role-playing games and board games, like with um, the living card game of Arkham Horror, the card game, which is very much a narrative experience, but it is a card game cooperative between several players. And yet... I won't lie to you, there are some very semi-role-playing elements in it that are so... I mean, it's it's a new field. They are always exploring new things. So I, I will buy it because I like fantasy flight games. And also because it's very interesting. I want to check it out. I I absolutely adore most of the things that Fantasy Flight do. They they have a good team. They do. They have a good team. Um, on a different topic, Crystal Ball, our monthly new article relating to Crystal Heart from uh, my comics up to four players. Um, the, the first poll is finished. If you remember, we let our patrons choose from three topics. They don't really know what the topics mean because we are not sure as well. <laughs> this month it was sales, singing, and beasts of burden. And I have just mm. some general thoughts about what any of these might become into what article, what piece of new content for the world they might become. And sales won by a landslide. Wow. <laughs> yes, I'm surprised. Really surprised. Uh, so now we'll have to do something with sales. Uh, that that's interesting. That's actually one of the reasons we're doing it because we want we want to encourage some creativity in ourselves. So I I'll have to now work on it and see what what sales actually mean. Sounds awesome, and it's it's great to always find way to you know push yourself in outside your comfort zone and create something new. Agreed. Uh, finally. Um, my weekly RPG article, I write an article every week based on what's happening on the, 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 the weekly Crystal Heart page. Today, actually, it was like three days ago, it's about forcing a reaction from the players by establishing situations where they just have to react. An NPC is doing something, and by the fact that the NPC is doing something that is going to destabilize the situation. The pieces have to react. The players have to engage in the story. And I think it's an interesting tool. Of course, like every tool, don't overuse it. The whole thing is in the article, show notes, links, you know the drill. That was me. 
I did a lot of roleplay stuff this week. Most of them will not interest the general populace, as it's just me playing my campaign and loving it. <laughs> However, I do want to address something else. Uh, many, many years ago, I traveled with a good friend of mine, uh, Avshalom, to Ireland, and we met a lot of interesting people along the way. One of those people was Thomas. Thomas was, is an amazing Belgian Viking, and we became we rapidly became good friends after discovering that we both role players. And two weeks ago, Thomas published an amazing Facebook post, which I'm gonna Ooh. read out loud just now. It says more or less, "Dear friend, it happened. I finally lost my marvels. My dice bag, that black green piece panache with the soul lace." that was my trusted companion for the past 20 years, has disappeared along with my precious collection of both cherished and reviled dice. Oh no. I have started buying new dice, but they feel detached. Yes. I want more personal ones. Dice with a story or a connection. Here's what I propose. Give me one of your dice. Share its story. I will gladly trade one back. But it's the story and the exchange I want. Help me, dear friend, to rebuild my arsenal of dice and memories. You are my only hope. Now, as I mentioned... That's lovely. That's really that lovely. lovely. Yes. But, uh, there's nothing I don't love about this Facebook post. And what I immediately did was take one of my dice, one of my most favorite uh, dice. It's, uh, it's from the game we played. Mm. Remember one that you... Uh, DM'd for three years, I think. Um, I played a drow rogue named Shonan, and I still have his the dice bag that belonged to Shonan. I keep my dice organized by the players who who actually use them. So I debated a lot, and I at the end I decided to go with the D4, uh, and I printed one of the short stories which I wrote about. Uh, the Adventures of Shonan and the Purple Orange. That was the name of the campaign, the Purple Orange. And I e I mailed, I did not email, I actually mailed them because you can't yet email a die. So I mailed the die and a story to Thomas and yesterday he got it and he sent me a picture of the new collection of dice and it is heartwarming. It's such a great thing to say, we're all playing in making stories. And here something happened in, in my real life, not in my imaginary story, which was created collaboratively with my friends. And instead of being bummed out about that, he took that, that fail, yes. that something terrible that happened, and made something beautiful out of it. Yes, that's completely true and very inspiring, I must say. Also, beside the D4, which I sent him, I also added two D6s with the On the Shoulders of Dwarves logo. Because <laughs> okay. we still have some of those from a, uh, For the Kickstarter, from a yes. crowdfunding campaign that we did years ago. So it, it's fun that we can use you know, our dice to help something beautiful arise. Well, it was a good story, but our story must come to an end. If you Indeed. want to follow us, do so at Dwarf Podcast on both Facebook and Twitter. And also, that's basically it, actually. Now, we will say goodbye, but not in English, but in Hebrew. Are you ready, Uri? I am. Leave <laughs>
on the shoulder of dwarves is shared under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4. The intro and outro are taken from Silly Fun by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at dwarvecast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.